All right, I'm going to open up this morning in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. I am so excited about this series on miracles. Are you all excited about what God's Word has to say about miracles? Are you excited? I think, you know, we've got a God who does miracles. Uh, Pastor Chris was uh, sharing during the offering today. It's not what he, just what he did, but it's what he is doing, right? And he is doing miracles. Let's open up this morning with Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to pray. It says, when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power. Did you say the word power? He gave them power and authority. Would you say the word authority? He gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You think that maybe applies to the world around us right now? I'm going to read that one more time. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to, Lord, hear your word. And right now, Lord, we ask, Lord, would you speak to every single one of us by your Holy Spirit? Thank you that you know us so well. You know our hearts so well. You know our thoughts so well. And, um, and you love us. And you have a word for us. And you have an encouragement for us. We just want to align our hearts and our minds, God, with you and your word and who you are today. We trust you. We trust your word. Father, I ask, Lord, would you just speak to every one of us, Lord God. I thank you. And ask for the empowerment, God, of your Holy Spirit, God, to impart the truth of your word. We thank you that there is power and authority with, with your word. Lord, let that be imparted today. We honor you and we praise you. We just set this time aside for you and to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in part three of this series on miracles. And miracles is going to be the really the theme for our year, but we're in the sermon series right now. And in part one, we talked about Um, First of all, that God's motivation for miracles is love. And we talked about how he wants to involve us in extending his kingdom to bring his will and his influence to the world around us, that we actually cooperate and work with the Lord to extend his kingdom. Last week in part two, we talked about how the Lord empowers us by the Holy Spirit and how Scripture encourages us, we looked in 1 Corinthians 12, Scripture encourages us to ask for these gifts of the Holy Spirit um, because they are a blessing and they edify others. Um, This whole idea and this framework that we're laying through the Word, this idea that God wants to involve us in the miracles He wants to do. So many times when we think about miracles, we think about, we, and we, we, we consider it something like, I want to seek after a miracle. Or I want God to do a miracle for me. Or I want to, and we think about it in terms of like, it just kind of, it only comes down from heaven and it kind of arrives like a package, you know. And it's like, oh, I get to open up the package of this miracle that arrived from heaven. Well, one of the things we see in scripture is that he likes to use his people in doing miracles. And you are his people. We very purposely these last few weeks kept the focus on others, not just ourselves. 
Because, yes, God wants to do miracles for us, and he will do miracles around us, and he has done miracles uh, in our lives and around our lives. But there's a heart to extending the kingdom of God and to showing his love and his power to others so they can know the reality of who God is, and the Lord wants to use us to do that. Do you feel that this morning? So let's read that, Luke 9, 1 and 2 again. It says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. They proclaim this message that the kingdom is here. And we have that message that God is here. He's here for you. And that God is willing to transform your life. If your life is not going the way that you would want it to go, and it's not working out with your plans and with your ideas and you being the boss of your own life, God has another option for you that you can lay down your will and lay down your life and pick up His will and pick up uh, this concept of following Him and that He will transform your life and that He has a better life for you. That He is willing to be your leader. He's willing to be your God. He doesn't, ma- he doesn't care how messed up your life is. He paid for it on a cross and he loves you dearly. But would you lay down your life to follow him? And that kingdom is here because he loves you and because he cares about you. And he's not into forcing people. He wants us with our own heart and our own will to turn to him. And so he sent them out with power and authority saying the kingdom of God is here and there's an opportunity for transformation in your life. I want to dig into these two words for a moment. It says he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And later on it says to heal sicknesses. A few chapters later, or actually the next chapter over, In Luke chapter 10, it talks about how then he sends out 72. So it wasn't just limited to the apostles. It was there was this idea of others being able to go out with the power and the authority. This word power or excuse me, this word authority. And we don't do a lot of Greek stuff uh, in church because I think we should probably speak English in church so everybody understands it. But I want to break out these two words to us this morning because I want to create the delineation between authority and power this morning and what it means in Scripture. It says that God gives us power and authority. What does that mean? Well, this word authority or exousia is the right to govern a jurisdiction or a sphere of influence. For instance, you have authority over your home. It's your house, right? Whether you're paying the rent or whether you're paying the mortgage, that's your house, right? You get to decorate it the way you want. You get to play the music you want. You get to do what you want in that Like, it is your house, right? That is your realm of authority. Y'all follow me? It's your sphere of influence. It's your jurisdiction. Now, power is slightly different. The word for that in Scripture is dunamis, which is just a fun word. Dunamis. I had a dunamis. Anyhow. um, Dunamis is this ability, this strength to exert force. And so you have both of these things working together. God gave them authority and he gave them power. So the authority was the jurisdiction Power was the strength and ability to do something with that authority. 
both working together. You can have a king in his kingdom, and you can have good kings and bad kings. You can have a king who has all the authority. He has the positional authority and the right to act, but maybe he doesn't have within him the power to do so. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about King David, and I thought about there were times when King David, he had the authority. There were times he used his power to exert force and to do things to protect his people. And then I thought about the times when his kids were getting all out of whack, and, and he wasn't willing to discipline his own kids. He had authority, but he didn't exert power. Right? And so God gave his disciples authority. He gave them jurisdiction and he gave them power. So, so where does your authority and your power come from, right? Because we're translating this into our lives as followers because we know that Jesus was walking this walk with his disciples so that they would go then make disciples who would make disciples who got to you in this room today, right? So how does this work? Well, this exousia or this authority It's conferred to you by the Lord as his follower and as his servant. You see, when you turn your life over to Jesus and you say, my life is not my own, you come up under his authority. You follow me this morning? Just as a little time out here for a moment. That's why we talk about how in your own home, when you you sense the enemy coming against your children or the enemy coming against your household or coming against, you can say, no, 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 no. This is the jurisdiction of the Lord. I am under his authority, and you can't play in this house. You don't have authority in this house. You got to go, right? That's your authority, and that's the blessing of authority, but you have to exert your authority, right? You have to exert it as well. And so this exousia, this authority, comes because you're a follower of Christ. And what I see in Scripture is this. I see there's this, when you come under his authority, he gives you authority in realms immediately just because you're his, because it says in Scripture that he adopts you. But we won't go this far in Scripture today because we have other work to do in Scripture. But I also see that authority can grow. He who is given much or he who is... um, is faithful with little, is given much. You know, you take care of the one talent and he, give it, or, and he gives you more talents, right? Like there's this concept of what you work with and your, um, your faithfulness with it, your diligence with it, and he will allow that to grow in your life, right? But you need to know, first of all, that you have authority as a believer just because you are his. And what does that authority mean? Well, it means you can go to Scripture and say, well, what does God say about me? And what does God say about my family? What does he say his provisions for me? And that's for you, right? And so you receive authority just by coming up under his authority. It's really important for us to, keep, to always remember that the authority that God gives us was conferred upon us. We did not go get it. We don't own it. It was given to us. Right, it's like the um, it's like the man who came to Jesus and and he said uh, you know heal my daughter and he and he said okay he says oh you don't have to come and he says just say the word because I'm a man under authority and I know how authority works when you're under the word, the Lord's authority all you need to do is have is just say the word you have that authority how do you receive power it says that Jesus gave them authority and he gave them power. Well, 
in Scripture, it actually tells us how that power, and this really links into last week's message. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast. We talked about this a lot. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power, same word, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my what? Witnesses. Isn't it interesting how when Scripture talks about power or authority and these kind of things, there always seems to be this commission, this cause of reaching the world as his witness or, or sharing the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting how it's not just for me and my own? There's always a mission attached to it as well. And so he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. This idea is what we talked about last week, that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you. Now, let's put those concepts together. So authority in our lives, he gives us authority and power, comes from our submission and following Christ. We come under his authority and he confers authority to us. Amen? Power comes through our interaction with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We talked last week just real briefly about how in Scripture, time and time and time again, they were filled with the Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit. Why were they filled with the Spirit so much? Because we leak. You just keep being filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, right? Just receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's really cool because the Lord uses you as his servant and the Holy Spirit empowering you to do things that you cannot do on your own. What I love about that personally is that it's so relational. I like to keep it relational. Sometimes people will turn their interaction with God into like a business transaction. Well, God, I do what you say and I follow what you say and so I do these things, so I must have authority. Where's the love in that? Or, God, I receive the power of your Holy Spirit to do what I, I mean, to do what you want to do. Like, it's like, it's just about power and authority. It's like, no, it's about a relationship with God and, and bringing his kingdom come, his will be done on an earth around us. And it's his love that's motivating this message and motivating us to be his witness, motivating the curing of diseases, motivating miracles. It's the fact that he loves people and wants people to willingly come back to him. And so he confers a kingdom upon us. And he puts this authority in our lives. (laughs) And we can mess that up. And that should be humbling for us. But it's really relational. Jesus, I don't want to do life my way. I want to follow you and follow your ways because I believe you're my creator. And I believe that you got a good plan for me. And I love you. You're my God, and I want to worship you, and I want to know you for all of eternity, and I want to follow you. And part of, and you're coming up under his authority, and he has decided to make you part, a working part of his kingdom. What a privilege. And so he doesn't just give us the jurisdiction. He gives us the empowerment. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We saw in in 1 Corinthians 12 last week that you can actually seek gifts and ask God for gifts. 
What's really cool about that scripture, because, you know, he's trying to get this wild and crazy spirit-filled church to, like, kind of get them in alignment. First Corinthians 12, he's like, I don't want you to be ignorant with, about, about spiritual gifts, and it's for the mutual good. And, yes, you can seek the, the, the greater gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, and he's building them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, verse, then chapter 13 is, we shall need to love each other. All right, now just, y'all need to be nice to each other, stop competing with each other, y'all need to love each other. And then in verse, chapter 14, he kind of jumps right back into it. Now when it comes to speaking in tongues, and it comes to prophecy, and it comes to these kind of things, y'all, okay, now y'all need to tighten up a little bit. This is how it can work and flow, and, and everybody wins kind of thing. But I love how he puts love right in the middle of that. God is so smart, the way that he speaks to us in Scripture. Again, in... in Acts 1.8, it says, you will be my witnesses. God's heart is to win people. Go into Luke 10, verse 1, and I'm, I'm going to read 1 through 3, jump to 9, and then jump to 17 and 18, 19, because there's a few pieces I want to pull out of the scripture when he sends out the 72. Luke 10, 1 says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Notice they don't have names. It's kind of like the idea of it's like y'all. It's like just it's the masses. It's all of us. He's sending all of us. He sends his 72 out, sent them out two by two ahead of, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, please listen to the heart of this. I really want to preach two messages at once. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. All right, I'm going to give you all the answer, and then I'm going to ask you the question. The answer to this is us. All right, you ready? Who does God want to use? Y'all are so good. It's like I gave you the answer. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Who are the workers? Y'all are so good. Do you hear God's heart in that? Do you, do you see that the reason why he puts authority and the reason why he empowers us, it's because there are people that he wants to reach with this message and with this power and with his love. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like, like lambs among wolves. It's interesting words, lambs. Among wolves? Whoa, that took a turn. Verse 9. Heal the sick who are with them and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons have submitted to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and I've given you authority to trample the snakes and the scorpions and overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. It says, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written and written in heaven. It's like the Lord's way of saying, hey, let's keep it real and let's keep it relational. Yeah, I gave you this power and I gave you this authority. But remember, the real joy is that we're going to be with each other in eternity. He's so smart. He's so smart. One of the things that we see in this when he says, I'm sending you like lambs, among wolves. And it says that demons submit to us. And I saw Satan fall like lightning. It is this description of this cosmic battle that is going on around us. That there's these, these forces of darkness that are actually at work in the, in the world around us. And we don't know that so that we're afraid. We know that so that we understand that we are part of a battle. 
a real battle. We don't have to be afraid. The reason is, is, well, we know the final score. You can read in Revelations and know we win. I find that very comforting. But we also know that Jesus has already won the important battles. In Colossians 2.15, where it says that, he, that Jesus triumphed over the devil, right? It's like he, triumphed, he has already won this battle. But there is this cosmic battle going on. See, that's the other part of miracles. He confers this authority. He empowers you by his Holy Spirit. But you're making someone mad. I don't care. I really don't care. Because I know how the enemy worked in my own life to undermine me. And I have no respect. I mean, I, 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 I want to see him go and see him flee. Now, I ain't like, you know putting on my Holy Ghost pistols and, like, looking for battles. Like, I'm just going to go out and this is how I find my battle. Like, you know, um, like, that's not wise. But I tell you what, wherever God sends me and wherever God puts me, I know his authority is with me. And I know that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that there's access to it wherever I am because he's never left me and never forsaken me. So there is confidence and yet awareness of what's going on. In the realm around us. You ever walk into your house and you go, something is wrong. Something is off. Something is going on. Then you find out there's weird stuff going on. And sometimes you just need to have a little, what I might call my front porch time. Go out there and say, I don't know if you're trying to do anything, but we humble ourselves before God. We resist you and you must flee from, from the book of James, right? Like you got to go. Then we go in and we clean up our messes. All right, you need to apologize, and we need to humble ourselves, and we need things to be right. Like, no, no, we ain't having this mess. Amen? We have this message of the kingdom. And we have the empowerment of the Spirit to be lambs among wolves. What's fascinating about that picture is there's a gentleness in us in the midst of wolves. And yet we overcome darkness. And yet, he causes the darkness to flee in our presence. And, and we get to see people freed from the power of the enemy. Another scripture that comes to mind is, you know, where it talks about in Ephesians 6. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God. Why is there a full armor of God? Because you need it, right? So you can take your stand against who? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil and in heavenly realms. Do you know what that means? What it said. Like, that stuff is real. And it's not to be spooky and it's not to, to make us weird about it, but it's so that we know there are forces that you don't see but are absolutely evident. We don't need to be afraid, but we need to put on our armor. And we need to walk in the authority that he's given us, and we need to be the lambs. All at the same time. That's one of the things I love about walking with the Lord, is um, as an analytical kind of person who likes to put everything in the spreadsheet or to the database where it goes, it is an art, it's not a science. It's a, re- a living relationship with God. It's not, it, he hasn't given us a cookbook. It's a, a way of relating to him and having a relationship with him. 1 Corinthians 
Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, he must reign. This is talking about Jesus. He must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Isn't that interesting? There's this scripture, what Paul is trying to describe is he's trying, in the idiom of our day, he's saying, the struggle is real. This battle is real. There's this theological phrase that's used about the kingdom of God. Already, but not yet. This already, but not yet is this concept of, as believers on this side of the cross, all the heavy lifting to pay for your sins, to triumph over the enemy, to protect your life, to provide for healing uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of that work has been done through the cross. It's already finished. That's what Jesus said. It's finished. It's done. The not yet is this struggle that we have here on earth to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And here it's talking about these battles that we have and this authority and dominion. And it's, the, this, it's already done and it's not yet because we're still receiving it and we're still receiving his best. And we're living in a broken world where there are things that are broken all over us. And we still battle and we still have things. But it's already done, but it's not yet and we're still receiving it. That says, so the last enemy to be defeated is death. And it's this idea like it's done and we're headed to the place where it's done done. Where a lot of us get tripped up and we have a lot, we have an issue is a lot of us live in this. We have a hard time living in the tension of the already and the not yet. So we pick sides. <laughs> we pick sides where it's already, it's always already, even though we know there's a not yet. Or we just live in the not yet and don't understand the already. I hope I'm not being too far away from this in in my description. Um, But God has put us in this tension. And we lean towards and we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when the Lord gave us this theme of miracles for a lot of us we probably first thing that came to our mind is i just can't wait to see the miracles he does in our church but what if the first thing in god's heart was i can't wait to see the miracles that he does through you in other people's lives it's not an or it's both and but who does he want to touch Who does he want us to pray for and to lift up and to be there for and to say, maybe people wouldn't understand it this way, but really what we're saying is the kingdom of God is here. God is here to touch your life. God's will to bless you and to minister to you and to touch your life. He's here for you. And I'm just praying what he puts in my heart, and I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to touch and transform your life. It's the front lines, and it is so much fun. You see, we're like, we are in this dynamic experience 
where there's a real battle for the hearts and minds of people that Jesus loves and that he has died for. The thing is, we have to be a people who are willing to say, God, I set myself aside for you, and I want you to empower me by your Holy Spirit and to learn what that means and learn how to operate in the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. And I recognize that I'm signing up for a battle. But I know that you are greater. Here's the thing. Don't let the battle intimidate you. You've already been battling. It's just, do you want the battle on you and your own life and just about you? Or do you want the battle lines at the front lines of other people's lives too? Just go there. Go there. Um, You look at people like, Paul and Peter and these people in the scripture who after Jesus left, the ministry and the things they did, they like suffered some things. They went through some stuff. And they saw some amazing miracles. And the journey is so worth it. To follow the Lord and to know the Lord and to seek the Lord and to say, God, I want to see your kingdom come. I don't say this to us in a condemning way. I say this in a way that I think we need to be more inspired. I think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to wish we had prayed for more miracles and believe God for more. We're going to feel like we left some things on the table. And I don't say that to beat us up. I say that to inspire us so that when an opportunity comes your way, you you know what, I don't want to leave this one on the table. I'm just going to pray it and I'm going to ask the Lord, and I'm going to seek the Lord. And whether it happens or not, I want to be leaning that way. And I don't want to feel like I'm leaving a lot on the table. Um, I'm going to conclude with that. Healing and miracles and empowerment, God, that you have, Lord. I just make my...